Welcome to the Around the Cauldron podcast, your mystical water cooler where we avoid work and chat about all things magic and metaphysics. You know, the shit you can't talk about with your other friends. I'm your host, Eliza. And I'm your host, Grace. We're bi-coastal BFFs and practitioners broadcasting from Boston and LA, ready to get witchy and woo with all of you. Hello, mystically minded witchy and woo. We're back here at the cauldron with you to talk um, today about something that um, might be a little more cerebral (laughs) than our usual episodes. And it involves a channeled message from Archangel Michael and some stuff around feelings and manifestation that I think are important for us to get into in anticipation of more comprehensive manifestation episode that we have planned for the horizon. And before we dig into this meaty stuff, I'm going to turn it over to Eliza for our traditional pre-content card bowl. All right. Well, I'm going to be using my Wildwood Tarot deck again because I'm obsessed and I'm just going to use this until I stop being obsessed. Grace, what 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 should I ask the cards? I think that we should ask the cards this time if they can give us a message about working with our uncomfortable feelings. Okay, so we've got the Ace of Bows, the Ten of Arrows, and the Two of Vessels. First and foremost, I'm going to show you the Ace of Bows, the card being called the Spark of Life. The Ten of Arrows is instruction, and then this is so badass. The Two of Vessels, which is attraction. Oh man, that is really cool. Right? So because the Wildwood Tarot has such major awesome descriptions in the book, I'm just going to go ahead and read them because... They're long and awesome, frankly. Uh, Okay, so Ace of Bows, the spark of life. Against a shimmering background of leaves and branches, a stout, rough-hewn hunting bow shimmers with the fire of life itself. The tip of an arrow rests on a heap of kindling chaff, and curled bark is bursting into flame as it tips flashes with brilliant incandescent light. As the turning of the cosmic axis generates the spark of life, so kindling of a flame sparks necessary light and warmth in our lives. The drill bro suggests the human element, our partnership with the environment in which we live and the mastery of its gifts. By shaping, directing, and persevering with the tool that both hunts and nurtures fire, we kindle the spark that starts the process of creation and empowerment. This takes skill, effort, commitment, and persistence, but the universe always responds with enlightenment, challenge, and opportunity. This is the nature of the human relationship with creation and leads to a deeper awareness of the part we must play in the great scheme of things. Harness the energy inherent in the bow and the skill and endurance needed to loose the hunter's arrows accurately and efficiently are as primal and ancient as human existence itself. Every native tribe on earth developed the bow as a tool and choosing, shaping, and tuning the bow stave and the arrows is a time-consuming and demanding craft that hones our skills and widens our knowledge of all the materials required in this ancient art. This also includes the habits and patterns of nature associated with the prey the hunter seeks and may infuse the archer with a new respect and reverence for its creatures that inhabit the wildwood. Be prepared to learn new skills, adapt to a changing environment, and focus and tune your instincts to the task at hand. How do you feel about that one, Grace? 
So I'm going to just call out some keywords that I would like people to just sort of keep in mind as we go through the content of the episode. But I'll just remind people that, that we asked for information about dealing with uncomfortable feelings. And the keywords that stood out to me on card number one were spark of life, enlightenment, challenge, opportunity, humanity and creation, habits of nature, and uh, adopting to changing things and circumstances. And generally speaking, when I do a three-card spread, it's kind of like a general past, present, future. So this is basically the foundational information that spirit is trying to convey. So this is basic overall knowledge of what kind of the groundwork is for the work that we're doing. Yep. So moving on to the present state of affairs, we got the Ten of Arrows, which is instruction. A man teaches his son how to hold and shoot a small bow and arrows. In the background is an abstract design of a wheel in which the spokes are nine arrows. The tenth is knocked to the child's bow. The par a parent passes on skills, wisdom, and ancestral ways with love and tolerance. Instruction and communication are required between the generations to help use old skills in new ways. As our young people absorb and apply ever more complex technologies with bewildering speed and uncanny ease, the gap between the generations appears to get wider every year. When we interact with the young today, we must make a conscious effort to pass on traditional wisdom and skills and make the relationship with those disciplines as vital as ever. With the coming of the Industrial Revolution, the traditional relationship between father and son broke down. Shared bonding experiences like hunting, fishing, and the tending of herds and fields were slowly eroded. Also, for girls, the, quote, women's mysteries have faded as traditional societal roles have evolved and changed, and personal instructional relationships, even among women across the age gap, grow rarer. All generations lose out if the divide becomes too wide and skills, wisdom, and arts are lost, just as no child will ever forget the first fish he catches or the first touch he lifts if shared experience and patient taught patients taught through the interaction of instruction at society's peril. So the things that stood out to me for this card were conscious effort and patience taught through instruction. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so I think that that basically tells us that, at least for me, what I'm getting from it is that working with difficult tasks and difficult feelings is a learned behavior. We don't naturally just do it well. Um, we don't naturally do pretty much anything well. I mean, we saw we have some proclivities to some things and we're just good at some things, but generally speaking, everything is learned. And I think this tells us that when working with these difficult feelings and challenges, look to those that came before. Someone's gone through it before you. Mm -hmm. Learn from other people, you know, be willing to learn and in turn, be willing to teach. We are not the sole receivers of information. There are those that come after us. So it's important that as we learn from those that came before, we pass on that wisdom to those that come after so that they have the tools they need to be able to process all of this. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So our third card, that, what is the reference for us today? So this card is attraction. So this is what we need to know going forward. Two anthropomorphic figures, a horse-headed female and a stag-headed male, face each other with one hand raised and one lowered. Their arms form a diamond shape, and in the center is inflamed heart. From their two lowered hands flow streams of water falling into two cups, which sit upon a low hill beneath them. The initial attraction and exploration of potential, the beginning of a possible relationship or friendship, and the precursor to an interchange of polaric energies, opposition and attraction in life. The first spark shared of attraction between two human beings can appear simple and uncomplicated on the surface, but the underlying psychological chemistry 
and the subtle interplay that ignites that magical first exchange is usually complex and eclectic. As human beings, we absorb millions of subliminal signals and messages from those around us, and we unconsciously process these stimuli and react to them every second of every day. We subconsciously absorb body language, scent, and non-vocal communication and react to them emotionally with impulses and decision-making instincts developed over millennia. Taking an instantaneous dislike to someone is governed by the same set of prehistoric sensory drives developed by human beings when we roamed freely across the African savanna. Quote, love at first sight is, a, is as valid today as it was then. Our perceptions and signals are shared, acknowledged, and reciprocated, breaking through the protective barriers informing the initial polaric bond that is the foundation of deep and lasting attraction. Okay, so in this card, my ear hooked on to underlying psychological chemistry, unconscious processing of stimuli, deep and lasting connection. And so this makes me think of what today's episode is about, which is the link between um, uncomfortable feelings, conscious effort, and manifestation. And I think it's really telling that the cards themselves are really focusing on instinct in relation to others Mm -hmm. and intuition in relation to others. So I'm getting a very clear message that they don't want us, spirit doesn't want us to go at this alone. Uh, This doesn't have to be a solely independent thing that there are those around us that have, like I said, like gone through things before and that in conjunction with your base instincts that you have, you know, that human beings have developed over time is the best way to go about it. And that, you know, take all of the information you can get, take all of the instruction you can get. We do not live in a vacuum. And I really think that this also means taking instruction from, you know, your guides, uh, as well as the people that are living around you, as well as your ancestors, as well as everyone. Uh, You don't have to do this alone. It also makes me think about having a holistic experience and how that's so important and how it's important to not deny ourselves certain elements of that experience because we really need all of them and they're all available for a reason. Agreed. So I think that um, you guys might be, I I don't know, I'm sort of blown away by this card reading in advance of (laughs) the content for today. So maybe you guys will be too. So a little while ago, I channeled a message from Archangel Michael that I posted on the channeling page of my website. And this message was not intentionally sought out. So in other words, I didn't say, okay, I'm going to go into meditation and channel and see what comes up. This was, I was in bed. I was trying to go to sleep. Um, this was coming through. Usually I can say, I am not open for business. We can have this conversation at another time. But uh, Michael was pretty insistent that this was to come out now. So it did. These angels, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and the message was all about how our individual spirits come into existence and how we can tap into the pure, into the power of our pure potential. So the power of that creation moment. So if you want to read about, you know, that's not the part we're going to go into today. We're going to go into the part about the the creation of the individual spirits, not tapping into the power of them. But if you're interested in checking that out, um, you can see the channeling page of my website, which is gracegabrielalchemy.com. But I'll try to recreate a little bit of a picture that was painted in the channel message for everyone as a starting point for our conversation today about how our spirit feelings and identity kind of intertwine. So everything in 3D existence, which is what we are, material objects and the earth, so tangible things, right, are backed by a foundation in sacred geometry. And I don't know if folks have seen sacred geometry 
images before, but there are things like um, Metatron's Cube, the Flower of Life. Um, so if you do a quick Google, you can bring up some pictures, I'm sure, of sacred geometry. And Michael's channeled message offered an illustration using frames of reference that we can call on to understand what he was trying to teach. So to me, um, what he was offering or communicating is a framework for understanding versus an exact replica of process. So we are 3D beings and here on this earth, we have ways in which we understand things. And so he was using symbols or objects or, or concepts of our understanding to communicate a message in a way that we might understand, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So just like how we offered an image of how the crystalline grid works in the crystalline grid episode, we sort of likened it to a computer network. Obviously the earth's crystals are not connected by computers, <laughs> but it gave us a better way to create a picture in our mind's eye um, or give us a sense of understanding. So Michael's message indicated that if we refer to the constellations of the zodiac, so you know your your sun sign or your moon sign or your whatever sign. So um, the the pictures of them, like the stars connected with the lines, that these zodiac images, that's the starting point for the creation concept of our individual spirits. And they function sort of like energetic triggers or light switches. Are you with me so far? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. All right. So we're going to take that image of these zodiac signs that are like energetic light switches, and we're just going to put them to the side for just a second. Separately, bring to mind a picture of the earth and imagine that it's gridded by a web-like sacred geometric pattern all over the sky. So again, you might Google the flower of life pattern and just like visualize that overlaid onto the earth. And now we'll bring these two images together. So as the zodiac constellations move through the sky and pass over this web-like sacred geometric pattern, the constellations trigger or flip on energetic sparks at divinely chosen places on the web. So almost like striking a match. And the sparks that are coming into existence are what we think of as soul, spirit, or I'll put in quotes, higher self. So this is why I felt like it was important to bring this to a podcast listener. So I've been working with a coach on my spiritual business. And part of our work includes her help with clearing or limiting thoughts and belief installations that I've accumulated in my life so far. And we come to these limiting beliefs by lots of different means, but language can be one of the silent, sneaky contributors that feeds those limiting beliefs and causes them to grow. And I know we've talked before about um, not really buying into the binary or sort of having a conflictual relationship with the idea of a polarizing system. And it got me thinking a lot about the widely used term higher self. And I kind of had this aha moment that sort of felt like designed to happen when I put together this channeled message and this experience with the coach. And collectively, like we're given higher, where we give higher this implicit meaning of better. So higher is better, I think is generally what we believe. So now I have this awareness that is responding to that term higher self by asking higher than what? Yeah. Or or better than what? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really, really, really good observation. And that is a super aha moment for me as well. Yeah, because we're divine beings exactly as we are. So I think the term higher self, like, potentially feeds a limiting belief and the belief that says we aren't good enough and there's like this unattainable better us that that's like that seriously blows my mind because it it's absolutely true right like every day especially when we have spiritual practice we sit here thinking like oh i need to work harder to be better to achieve my highest good 
or my, you know, higher self as if like, it's almost like, you know what it reminds me of? That feeling of original sin, Christianity, where you are by default Mm. a sinner and you have to just work at being better so you can be in heaven, which is your higher self. Right. Yeah. So as I was thinking about it, that's why I thought I would bring to the podcast listeners that I plan to use a change in language that I think better reflects the information that Michael gave us about the creation of the soul or spirit or whatever you want to call it. Preferably not higher self. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Like that's so, I mean, that makes so much sense, you know, and it's so ingrained that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. So I like to start saying something like, soul spark or spirit spark instead, you know, just kind of like bringing together the information that I got in channel and realizing that, you know, we come to learnings and divine timing and it seems like, or I feel like I'm being shifted here. So I wanted to honor that and share, you know, these thoughts and this information with our community that we're building. I love that. I think it's awesome. What do you think, listeners? Yeah, so I'd love to know what you guys think about it as well. So definitely hit us up in the Facebook group, the Cauldron Cooler, um, or on Instagram. Let us know what you think, and then how you, you know, how you feel about this term "higher self" and potentially updating it. Eliza, what do you think about that whole shift? I don't know. It's sort of like an overhaul in a way, but yeah, it's a major overhaul. But you know what? That that happens. I mean, we change language all the time um, for 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 the better. You know, I mean, there are plenty of things in the English language that we've had to revamp societally over time and in order to make a better, more equitable society. And this is very similar in a way that helps us understand ourselves better in a way that isn't, you know, self-limiting, like you said. Uh, I think it's I think it's brilliant. And I just kind of want to, you know, I made some notes as we were doing the card poll earlier, and I wanted to return for a second to card number one, which is like the foundational card and the keywords that I heard, which were spark of life, um, enlightenment, challenge and opportunity, um, humanity and creation, habits of nature, you know, like we're in this habit of using a term because we are, we need language. And sometimes our language isn't perfect and it needs to evolve. And then adapting, adapting to changing concept an ever-changing concept it's like a living breathing part of experience language definitely is i mean language is pretty much a living breathing you know for culture and society and it grows and shifts just like we do as human beings so that was sort of like the first part that i felt like i had to explain and, and kind of clear out of the way before moving into the second part which is about best supporting our spiritual community and individuals in our spiritual community and also manifestation and this idea of manifestation because this makes me think about how we can best help each other to be free of limiting beliefs language illusions Mm -hmm. we work a lot with the unseen right and we have a shared sense that there's a whole lot more to reality than what we can see so there's this kind of like implicit agreement that it's the way we process being souls in a body that can manifest or feed illusions i know i think that's probably kind of like a complicated (laughs) thing to think through (laughs) and it was for me when I was writing it I definitely needed a few minutes to sort of sit and process that so if you're sort of on the other end of this podcast and listening and thinking what the fuck is she talking about (laughs) you're not alone (laughs) you're not alone I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about in the beginning either I was mentioning to Eliza that I belong to a number of manifestation groups on Facebook and I've been seeing 
a lot of people kind of wondering in their posts if the painful emotions that they feel in reaction to life experiences will hurt their ability to manifest or hurt the energy of the collective. I don't know if you've seen those. Have you? I have. I have. And it's interesting to me that people are wondering this. And it makes sense when I hear it because that never occurred to me. It never occurred to me at all. And yeah, that's, that's so interesting that people feel that way. And um, yeah, that fascinated me. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is a very like all or nothing thinking trap. Um, which in psychology is like a cognitive distortion, all all or nothing thinking. And I want very much for any of our listeners who feel this way to know that it's okay and actually necessary to feel all of their emotions, all of them, as part of a spiritual experience. Um, And part of the human experience. We are living mm -hmm. beings on planet Earth right now that have emotions. What's the point, you know? Right. Right. So permitting the full range of emotions can actually disempower the charge behind the ones that we process as painful because it gets rid of a binary experience of good or bad. And it helps us access the, like the, the wisdom of the feeling, the essence, the truth in them. So psychological research, which to me is all about examining the experience of, you know, sorting through the mess of being a spirit in a 3D experience, 3D body, uh, supports that you know, pushing aside emotions just makes them louder. And that can bring about exactly the shit that you're trying to avoid. So let's pretend that you're repressing your negative emotions. They're going to start screaming at you. And it's going to be painfully obvious to the people around you that they're screaming at you, but it's going to come out in like really confusing ways. Yeah. I mean, that's just good advice in general too. Yeah. So like, I'm not ragging on this fear that people have that, you know, their painful emotions might be harmful to others. Like, I think it's a natural, just like you were saying, it's a natural thing um, as humans that we have just baseline. It's also a natural thing to want to protect our loved ones. (laughs) So, you know, we feel pain and we don't want them to be collateral damage, but here's the thing, like emotions exist and their existence is not a problem that needs to be solved. It's not the existence that's the problem. Yeah, I was just going to say from my understanding and what I intuitively feel to be correct is that emotions aren't what propels intention and energy. While they can be an influence on our intentions and energy, our emotions themselves are only part of this 3D experience. Right. So you having emotions, you collectively listeners, us human beings, is not a problem. It's a natural thing designed to offer wisdom back to your spirit spark. So that's why I started there at the beginning. So that when I used this word, people would know what it meant or this phrase. So I'm not, you know, disregarding like the pure agony of it sometimes having these emotions. Oh, it's very real. Yeah, but pushing the pain aside, yeah, like also is it feeds this illusion that you are not an innately divine, strong and wise being. It shorts you of that. And it that shorts you of information that can go back to your spirit spark, which is the whole reason that your spirit spark is in existence anyway, is to collect information about what it means to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you guys maybe remember from the energy podcast that everything is energy. Uh And going back to that whole idea of, um, you know, binary or polarity, living up against only having access to one thing or another, all or nothing, is a distortion that we bring into reality. And I think it's it's a natural distortion that happens, but it is a limiting illusion nonetheless. Um, So how do emotions really work? Like, if emotions are not a problem to be solved, how do we solve for painful emotions that fucking hurt? You just feel them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So part of it is taking away, part of it is allowing for them, right? Not putting them aside. Another part of it is taking away some of the charge. So giving them less food to feed on um, by taking away their power in a, in a polarized or binary structure. So energetically, they aren't good or bad. They just are because energy just is and they are energy. But as souls living in a body, in a existence who are you know in need of language to describe our experience the language that we use is how we're trying to describe the sensations we feel in our 3d body that's processing the energy that's been triggered by one thing or another so that's the source of the wisdom that our spirit spark you know spark is seeking so just like this motion happens to create the spark motion creates this phenomenon of emotional digestion which is the opportunity to teach our soul spark about what it means to live and be alive yeah it makes perfect sense to me so the trick what's the trick to finding this you know um way to process painful feelings and and i think the the posters of the manifestation stuff i think they were sort of like feeling maybe um naturally triggered by whatever the situation was in their life and and not wanting more bad shit to happen. So like, you know, what what's everything I need to know right. to keep the bad shit from happening <laughs> or to not man- manifest more of the bad shit? First of all, the things that happen, you know, the manifestation I think is tricky sometimes because I think it can set people up to feel like um, self-blame, like if bad things happen. Well, I mean, that makes sense because there are some things we do bring on ourselves, let's be clear. But the emotional reaction we have isn't necessarily the thing to blame. Does that make sense? It's like choice, right? Everything is choices. Yep. So you can blame a choice that you made, but the emotion itself isn't the problem. And I just want to pause just for a second and say that um, sometimes bad shit happens that has nothing to do with choices. uh, And that's really fucking horrible. And it takes a lot to process that. And so I don't want to minimize that by what we're talking about. I want to want to hold that at the same time as this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are definitely things that happen to us that are not in any way a result of something that we've done or thought or said or choices we made. Um, I was more so referring to just, you know, when we think we bring something on ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and you know, like... We, I think for the most part, we, you know, we don't want to hurt more, which makes absolute sense. And we don't want to hurt the people around us, right. which also makes sense. So I totally understand the, the, the good intention um, behind the question, but I don't want people to feel like the way forward is problem solving. Right, right. So it's not, you know, sit with your crystals to try and make the emotion a race. Um, going back, you know, energetically, they aren't good or bad. They just are. And they're triggered by these experiences that we have. Um, and the trick is finding the balance between learning and feeling and identity and experience. So it's not identifying and giving permission for, you know, quote unquote negative feelings that hurts manifestation or the collective. It's living in a 3D experience of it indefinitely and over identifying with it. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to offer some tips to who may be working on, you know, manifestation as part of their spiritual practice. And maybe, maybe you're wondering, like, how do I hold these painful feelings that I might have and also work on manifesting? Uh, so my tip for listeners about one way to experiment with striking a balance is disempowering the polarity or the binary illusion of good and bad emotion. So when we feel something, usually we say, I am, and then whatever the emotion is, like, I am sad, I am happy, I am in pain, I am, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. 
And that means we're giving energy, making the emotion our identity. It's like opening up your energetic field and just like gobbling that up, like the I, the I am of it. Um, it's bringing it in and literally making it part of who we are. When in reality, who we are and what the emotion is, those are two different things. There's distance between them. Right. So let's say something happens in your life that triggers painful emotions, right? I notice something might be up with you and I say, how are you? And on autopilot, most of the time, we will say something like, I'm sad, I'm in pain, I'm a loser, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that gives the feelings like way too much permission to be part of our identity instead of recognizing them for what they really are, right? Which is energetic potential and opportunity for things that we can learn and send back to our soul spark, which is part of our mission here. So in terms of revamping language, do you think that there is a way to acknowledge that by saying I feel X instead of I am X? Do you think that that would change? So my suggestion would be something like, you know, when someone asks you, you answer honestly, first first and foremost, you answer honestly. So we're not trying to put on the happy face and uh, smile through the shit. <laughs> we answer honestly, give permission for whatever feelings are there, but also in a way that offers you enough space to have choice about what to do with the emotion. So um, one of the things that I use is saying there are. So instead of I am or I feel, I say there are sad feelings here. There are painful feelings here. There are feelings of self-doubt here. Because even in that phrase, like, um, you know, the example I gave, you know, I am a loser. There are, fe- there's, there are feelings behind that um, that aren't about identity. But what are those? There are feelings of self-doubt here. There are feelings of disappointment mm-hmm. here. Because in that case, you give yourself a buffer that allows you to energetically understand, like you're communicating to your energy that the feelings are there, they're present, you're not denying them, mm-hmm. but they're there for learning and we are not them. Like we've taken back some personal power by um, by switching those words. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I just wanted to put that out there um, for everybody before we worked our way, you know, on the podcast into um, an episode about manifestation. What we have, what I have planned for the ep- manifestation episode is really sort of a um, summary about like why people might do it you know, some ways to go about it, but, but for anyone who's doing it already, it's actually, I think, I think it can inhibit manifestation to, to not allow yourself a holistic experience because you need that holistic experience in order to figure out what the fuck you want to manifest. Yeah, totally. I agree. And it's a balance between allowing yourself this experience and the wisdom that comes from being a spirit and a body here and learning as you go along what you'd like more of, um, what would feel better. Um, And that's where you really spend your time feeling into the energy of definitives and identification. You know, it's, um, you're not pushing, you're, you're, you're calling the pain out for what it is. You're learning from it. And then to, to bring about the more of you feel into the energy of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. What do you think about all this? I think, I think it's a really good way of explaining things in a way that's easy to digest. I mean, well, not totally easy to digest. Cause let's be clear of a lot. <laughs> You know, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think it focusing on language is a big thing. And I think using different language and choosing different language makes a huge difference, particularly in manifesting, like you were saying. And I think that self-limiting beliefs are so dangerous and not dangerous, dangerous, but I mean, they just, they make things more difficult. And I think any way that we can separate those from our identity is really important. So I think that that's a really significant message. And 
I think it's a message we all need to hear because oftentimes we internalize and identify as our feelings when our feelings are an experience and not who we are in our identity. And one of those parts of identity that we don't choose, but I think we forget about, uh, is our our baseline nature of being powerful, spiritual beings. Totally. It is not a thing that just occurs to us in our daily life. And I think a lot of that is the way we're brought up, you know, particularly, and I can only speak to the Christian experience because that's how I grew up. But in the Christian experience, we are taught from a young age that we aren't that. We have to attain that that we're not there yet, which by definition makes us less than the ideal. And I think I I get the point because essentially what it is, is trying to encourage you to be a good person, to be better and to do better, which is important for all of us. We should all always try to be better and do better and kinder, et cetera, um, for the benefit of everyone around us and ourselves. Um, But I think unfortunately that comes at a cost when you teach it that way, but it becomes so ingrained that all of a sudden it transcends, you know, even spirituality into just your everyday life. So kind of reframing the conversation and reframing the viewpoint and kind of taking it from a different position I think is really helpful. And if nothing else, even if you don't necessarily agree with it completely, it helps you to look at things differently. And I think that's always really beneficial. And I think just looking at different viewpoints on how to be a person will inevitably help you be better what you want to be. And like one of the things about manifestation is to operate, to try and operate not from a place, you know, it sounds ironic to say it this way, but not from a place of lack. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's how, that's how we exist. Everything we do is from a place of lack. I imagine living differently. I'd love to live differently. And it's a thing I am now going to try to live differently because holy shit, you just blew my mind. But that's, oh my God, that's how we all live our lives. Yeah. And so like when we believe about ourselves that we're lacking all the time, how can we truly bring about more? Man, I'm going to have to sit with that one for a while. So guys, I know this is a lot. It was a lot to think about to put out here for everyone. As always, we invite you to add your voice to the conversation in the Cauldron Cooler, our Facebook group, on Instagram, reaching out to us if you'd like. We'd love to hear from you about you know, your thoughts on this or really anything else. And I hope that this is a good baseline to help you out if you know, you're know you kind of working through this internal challenge right now or in preparation for you know manifestation episodes. So this, this may be you know, perhaps a primer for you if you're new to manifestation as well. Um, you probably will find if you Google manifestation that this is uh, probably a different <laughs> point of view than some other folks who work in this area. But, uh, you know, as we've talked about throughout the podcast, uh, part of this work is staying true to what you get. So this is what I've gotten. uh, And I'm trying to stay true to that and offer it to folks who might benefit from it. Indeed. Well, I am definitely going to sit and marinate in that because I truly believe that, you know, some of this information you pass on is really going to help me in my manifestation practice. And I'm Looking forward to our manifestation episode. I think that's going to be super awesome. So thank you all for listening. And thank you, Angel Michael, for insisting that Grace write this down. And with that, we'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Thanks for avoiding muggle life with us at the Cauldron Cooler. If you like our magical banter, please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever newfangled podcast platform the kids use these days. And tell your friends to give us a listen, real or imaginary. 
If you have any feedback, questions, or just want to say hi, you can email us at aroundthecauldronpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at around underscore the underscore cauldron and like our page on Facebook. I'm sure we'll do more social media things once we get the hang of all this nonsense.